Hi folks, Jack Spierko here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. <laughs> Commercial free versions of past episodes. Podcasts blast from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. And today we are rewinding only about 10 months. We are going back to October the 17th, 2019. This was episode 2532. Its original title was More About the Toolbox Fallacy. This was one of those things that, you know, somebody sends you a video, and you like it, and you talk about it, and you start pushing people in the right direction using the central message of it, and it takes off and forms a life of its own to where people actually do what I've been trying to get you to do for the past 12 Rewind episodes. They take action in their own life. And it's why when I came up with the concept of doing this series for Rewinds while I was away, I didn't know exactly what would go in it, but I already knew the last episode would be the one that you're going to hear today. Because the toolbox fallacy is basically the ability to use a crutch is if I only had, then I could. And that crutch is not designed to get you, at least a crutch is designed to make you move forward. This is like a crutch that's like stuck in the ground. It's designed to keep you where you are. It's designed so that even if you take that first step that we talked about earlier in this series and your foot comes off the X and you take that first step, the other foot stays right where it is. The true journey does not begin with a, sim a single step. It begins with two. Because only when you take two do you actually leave the place that you're currently standing Always remember that. So I will let this episode speak for itself. I think it does that very well. I just want to give you a brief intro to today's show. And I also want to remind you, I will be back tomorrow. And I will probably be back with an incredibly uh, great attitude. Because I don't think anything makes me uh, a lot happier than uh, a long vacation and, and a full 12 days. Uh, of the time I've been gone, a full 12 days of all day long fishing and spending time on the beach with my wife. This was like the longest vacation we ever took. Uh, as I'm speaking now, I haven't done it yet, but I already know it's going to be fantastic. Right? I've been there before, I've done this before, and I'm just going to do it again. But I will be back tomorrow, and we'll have something uh, hopefully equally illuminating and maybe something to kind of even top this off as it will be a Thursday show. All right. So what is today's step? Today's step is a step that will be really easy to do, If you didn't punk out, if you punked out, if you piked out, if you didn't do all the steps up till now, you're going to have to go do them before you can do the final step, which will be the step that you will do every day, every day for the rest of your life, or at least until you have enough of what you want to be content. Okay, and I, when I say content, I don't mean like, oh, it's all right. I mean like you're like, this really is a great life. And then any time in your life you're like, I would really like to also have, you're going to have to do this again. Go through the whole process again. So today's step is work your list today. Do this every day. Keep making updates. Don't stop until you have what you want. By now, you should have a list of things you don't want, a list of things you do want. You should know where you want to really build your life. You should have a list of things that you need to do to get more money into your life and how your financial plan works. You should have a list of everything you have that you're already grateful for, everything you love about your life. As new things come into your life that you love, add it to that list. You should have turned off the news for the past week or so. So your mind should be in the right state. And you should have already started the process of reviewing your how can I questions and grilling yourself on how you're going to actually get them done. And you should have already 
taken meaningful action on at least two of those how can I answers. In other words, if you've actually done the work that I've given you for the past, what, two and a half weeks? If you've actually done the work, you've gone a long way toward doing something that's amazing. Establishing a habit. Most of the time when we hear habit, we, we immediately, like if I say, if we do the word association, I say black, you say white, right? I say wet, you say dry. I say habit, you say bad. Right? Habits can be good or bad. The easy thing, the, the easy way to end up in habit is the bad habit because you just start doing something because it feels good. Remember yesterday we talked about having everything you want, or what if you did what you really wanted to do? We talked about not removing the consequences of that. So when, when people behave in a way that's actually a bad habit, it's not really doing what they really want to do. It's responding to short-term emotional things. It's not actually a well-thought-out, logical plan to, to do what you most want to do. Right? It's like, in fact, and usually what it is is a person living counter to what they really want uses short-term pleasure like a drug. And it could be a real drug. It could be any behavior. And then if you do that behavior enough and it actually makes you feel even just a tiny bit better, and you do it for a couple of weeks, it becomes a habit, it becomes an ingrained behavior, to where you'll do it habitually without even thinking about it. Well, what if you created a habit that got you forward and, and, and made you go in the direction you wanted to do? So the habit you should have formed by now, and if you, if you have it, now you, can, now you can force the habit, is just once a day reviewing your life, what's great about it, what's not so great about it, what you want, and asking yourself how you can have what you want. And then making a few notes. That's it. And I know it sounds too simple to work. I know it's like Jack should be telling me, buy this stock and do this thing and plant this plant, and that's how... No, because what you're going to do with the resources that you have is going to be completely different than what a person just a block down the street from you is going to do. And completely different than what some guy that podcasts for a living and has for 12 years is going to do. You're in a different place in your journey. You might be ahead of me. This will still work for you if you want more. You might be behind me. This will get you where you want to be, assuming you want more. But that is the habit, and it, it, it locks into something that just people refuse to accept. And that is how powerful your mind really is. If you challenge your mind... It will rise to whatever challenge you give it. So most of us challenge our mind with, how can I find a better way to condemn Kim Kardashian's ass? Or how can I find a better way to condemn the president? Or how can I find a better way to condemn the president's opponent? Or how can I find a better way to not give a shit about how bad my life sucks? Or how can, you know, this, is, this is what people challenge themselves with. How can I find another way to spend my money? How can I find another way to extend myself into debt? If you really think about all of the negative behaviors that people do, they actually are challenging themselves to do more of them. And surprise, surprise, that's what you get. If you really understood the power of your mind, you might respect it a little bit more. Not just for what it can do for you, but what, can, what it can do to harm you. See, this little exercise, and this might have felt like a lot of work if you actually did it. I'm going to bet that maybe 2% of you did it. And I'm going to challenge the other 98% of you to maybe think about actually going back and doing it. I'll put a link today in the show notes to a little text file that has the 13 steps on it for you. So if you didn't write them down or whatever, you can actually do it. The 2% of you that did it, if you continue, I know that you'll have great things in your life. See, I would make a lousy motivational speaker, I think, in some ways, because, you know, like, you can do it, you can do it. I know that, like, most of the people I'm pointing to saying that, I would be like Pinocchio with my nose growing. 
in the Geico commercial. Like, I know you're not going to do it. I don't know which ones of you aren't, but I know the vast majority won't do the work. But I know those of you that did, the work's easier from here. Not the work in your life, but this work, the work I gave you. The determination of what you want and what you don't want, the making of the list and all. This now is is literally a five-minute daily process. And, and it, it, it might often be days, it might be less. And if you just make it kind of the first thing you do, and this is what I think you really should do, you should make it the first thing you do in the day. Or the last thing you do in the day. And if you're really dedicated, maybe both. And I'll tell you why, it's two different things. So, if you wake up in the morning, have your coffee, and go somewhere quiet for even two minutes, and you read your lists, and anything that comes to mind, you make a note, or you add something to it. And that's all that you do. And you go on with your day. The day is ripe with opportunity. Opportunity to learn, to add to, to do more, or to actually capitalize on something that pops up. Remember we talked about luck through this several times, and I said luck is bullshit. Luck is simply being ready for an opportunity when it shows up. So your day will be ripe with opportunity. And sometimes it might just have one or two that you can capitalize on. It might be that one thing I learned today. I'm going to put that in my notes. That one thing that applies to this thing that I said that I want. By waking up first thing and reviewing those lists, your mind will be challenged during the day. No matter how shitty my day is, you find me something that relates to this. And if you know anything about pattern recognition at this point, you know that you'll see those patterns when they show up. They'll pop because because even though you kind of went into work, your boss chews your ass, your wife was pissed about something you didn't do over the weekend that you said you were going to do, your car needs to get service work. I mean, it's just a shitty Monday. It is. It is. It is a kind of Monday from that TV show, that that movie, Office Space, right? Case of the Mondays type thing. And, and, the, and the construction worker says you get your ass kicked if you say it, and you want to say it anyway. It's just that shitty of a Monday. Because maybe you'd feel better if you got your ass kicked, because at least you'd feel something because you're that miserable. And my God, I need to go get a double shot espresso because the coffee I drank this morning didn't work. Even if it's that day, even if it's that day, I'm going to have to work late. I'm going to get stuck in traffic on the way home. It's that day. If you start it this way, you'll find something in it that will help you get what you want. And that's why you should do first thing. As for what it being the last thing, or one of the last things that you do before you go to bed, you work in two modes, mentally and cognitively. You work in the waking world, and you work in the world of being asleep. And dreams are symbolic and confusing because it is your mind literally unraveling everything that happened to you that day and solving problems, and it does it in ways that... Um, can be confusing, but it actually rewires things while you sleep so that when you wake up the next day, you're better able to face your day. That's the purpose of dreaming. Right? A lot of things that look like they're prophetic in dreaming is because you actually have, like prophetic dreams are not really a thing, but they are a thing. So I don't believe people have a dream and then it happens because they have precognition. I believe what it is is that everything you need to be able to predict the likelihood that something will occur in the future you already have that information in the dream, assembled it in different ways so you could see, hey, this thing is coming. And you have a thousand dreams like that that do not come true, but you'll remember the one that did, so all of a sudden it was prophetic, right? So you have that power. And when you wake up in the morning and then you immediately go back to that list, just a brief, again, you can get up, make the coffee, take the dog out for a poop, whatever it is, but some point before you engage in your life, how can I? 
have this, 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 and this? What have I done recently to get that? What is my next action item? How can I make that happen? What are the things I don't want in my life? Oh, gee, look, there's a lot less of that one already. How did that happen? How can I apply it to this one? Just two to five minutes in the morning and in the evening. You're taking the most powerful computer in the known universe. I'm not saying there's nothing more powerful, but that we know of. This is a bioelectrical, mechanical, self-learning computer. And you're saying, Watson, work on my life for me. Imagine if you had the power of Watson in your house. Like the whole Watson IBM computer and you said, Hey, Watson, here's my shit for the day. Give me some answers by the end of the day. You'd probably use it. Your mind is so much more powerful than Watson. It's so much more powerful because while Watson can look at a megatrend and be really useful, it can't know your life. It can't know your life your way. It can't have the emotions that you have. It can't know what really makes you happy. It can't. So you have a far more powerful tool than the most advanced artificial intelligence that's ever been made. And most people spend most of their life ignoring it and wasting it. You know, it's like I've talked about many times with preparedness. If you don't realize what you have and know why you have it, you could be in the middle of a crisis and have every resource you need to get through the crisis and fail to get through the crisis because you didn't use the resources that you had. That's why it's important not only to be prepared, but to review what you have frequently and think about scenarios like if this, then that. Right? Like if there's a fire and it's coming at my yard, these are the things that I know in advance that I can do, and then I'll adapt to the things that don't conform to what I thought was going to happen. And then you'll remember, hey, I do have a garden hose, and I do not have to put out the fire. I just have to prevent it from like traveling onto my property. And in some instances you can, and in some instances you can't, depending on what kind of fire we're talking about. Is it your dumbass neighbor like mine started a bushfire and you have a fence line and pretty much you can go up and down that fence line and just keep the fire at bay, especially if one of your family members helps you? Well, then you do that. Is it a massive torrent and the wind's blowing in the wrong direction and you're about to be engulfed and what you need to do is get, your, get yourself and your animals and your family and get out? Then you do that. But whatever the resources are that enable you to do either of those things or some other thing, the fact that you've reviewed them and you know that they're there, makes you more likely to survive because there's plenty of times when people have failed to survive. And you go back and look and go, well, if they had just taken this thing that they had right in front of them, they would have survived. And that's the power of the mind. So what if we directed that power, along with the steps that I've given you this week, the other 12 steps, and said we're going to use that computer to give Tom, Tim, Bill, Susan, Debbie, Anthony, etc., whatever your name is, insert name here, what they want. Not what Jack wants for you. Because the only thing I can say that I want for you is I want you to have what you want if you do the work to get it. That's what I want. That's the only thing I can say that I want from you. Because I, I, I can't know what that is. There's a guy named Bill listening right now. Like here, do my, my pretend televangelist thing. And, and I guarantee you, with an audience my size, there's at least one Bill out there that wants this. That wants to have a nice little farm somewhere. I want Bill to have that. There's another guy named Bill who doesn't want anything to do with a farm. He thinks a farm's a pain in the ass. He wants a little cabin in the woods somewhere. He doesn't want a garden. He wants to just go hunting and fishing. And he's willing to buy the shit that he wants beyond that and doesn't give a damn and wants people to leave him alone. I want Bill to have that. That Bill to have that. 
The other Bill, like, he wants a really sick-looking beach house, man. He wants it to be awesome. He wants to live like almost like the lifestyle of Liverage and Famous. He just doesn't want to be tied into all their bullshit. I want him to have that. And the differences of things that you want in this audience are as varied as the stars in the sky. There's a lot of commonalities, or you wouldn't listen. But it's, it's as varied as it gets. And whatever it is, as long as you do the work for it, I want you to have it. And the reason I don't want you to have it if you don't do the work for it is I know it won't last. I know the majority of people that win the lottery end up far worse off five years down the road than they were when they won. I know people that, you know, from the news and media, I don't mean personally, but I know people, you know, like if you look at like Rodney King, Rodney King was justifiably granted a huge settlement for the injustice that was thrust upon him. And he ended up, if I remember correctly, dead in the bottom of a pool. Because having an injustice hurled upon you is awful, and compensation is often warranted, but it does not equal doing the work to get that's necessary to get what you deserve. It doesn't. So if you come across some giant windfall, it's actually more important to do something like this, not less. Because that money is power. And that money can hurt you if you're not prepared for the power. It's like giving a person a gun with no training. And not just any gun, like, you know, like a fully automatic um, pistol. Or, you know, a short-barreled fully automatic weapon where they can blow their fingers off with it because they've never used one before and they don't even know how to use a normal gun. It's And the more you give them, the more dangerous the, the weapons caches that you've given them. You've also now you've given them hand grenades and rocket launchers and law rockets and maybe they'll try shooting one of those out of bush to see what it does without understanding a back blast area and set their house on fire. I mean, you know, this is this is literally what happens when you give people money. Well what I want you to understand as we as we wrap this up and you get ready for the return of, of your daily scheduled programming with TSP is your mind is exactly the same danger to you. If you do not direct the most powerful computer known to man that exists in your bone skull to give you what you want, you're letting it do whatever it does with complete disarray, and it can destroy your dreams. Why do you think so so many people end up with their dreams destroyed? There were good people that really didn't hurt anybody or harm anybody, but still they end up miserable. They end up when they're old. They don't care that they're going to die at some point because they're just waiting to. It's because you let that incredibly powerful tool to itself. And you didn't do it in a world like our ancestors came from that was mostly built on natural systems where that's okay. Because in those natural systems, you behave like a natural being. No, you were in an artificial world with artificial stimuli designed to control you where the people in power knew exactly what they were doing when they did it and you didn't. And you let that tool that could have made your life great work against you. That's how people end up that way. I don't want that for you. Again, I don't know what it is that I want you to have in your life, but I know that I want you to have it if you do the work to get it. With that, let's get one of those things that get in the way of that out of the way, the toolbox fallacies, where you rewind back to October 17, 2019, episode 2532, more about the toolbox fallacy. Show you a better way.
Hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, today is Thursday, October the 17th, 2019. This is episode 2532 of the Survival Podcast. We're going to do a standalone Just Jack show today. We're going to talk more about the toolbox fallacy. What the hell is a toolbox fallacy? I talked about this last week. The basics of the toolbox fallacy are, you know, I need to get in shape, but before I do, I need to get a new weight bench and a set of weights and uh, uh, do some research and buy a book and blah, blah, blah. Or maybe I need to get a gym membership and I don't quite have the money for that right now. So I'll need to pay off my debts first that I'm not actually going to pay off so that I can afford to get a gym membership so that I can afford to start exercising. When, you know, you could just like take a freaking walk to start to do something now. Maybe you would jog. Maybe you would find that you actually have some weights laying around the house that you'd never pick up, but they're not the brand new bench, but they would at least be something to get started out with. Or you could like, you know, do aerobics or something and there's free videos on YouTube. You could just you could do something. But no, you're not going to because you're waiting for this. Or, you know, I'd like to uh, learn to make woodworking, but I, I need a bandsaw and a table saw and a jigsaw and I need a router. There's a makerspace you can join for 30 bucks right downtown. Or you could just, maybe you don't get all that great equipment and you do have some hand tools and you could be doing something. But instead you're waiting to buy the toolbox, whatever the toolbox happens to be for your thing. Well, I talked about this last week because uh, a listener sent it in and said, I think you should do a segment or maybe a whole show on this. And I started out with a segment and I challenged this audience. I want to hear from you. I said, I want to hear from those of you who have been putting something off because of the toolbox fallacy, what your toolbox is and what you plan to do about it and how you're going to actually effing do it. Six people wrote in in just a few days and said that they were going to do it and gave me examples. I'm going to give you their first names and the basic thing they said they're going to do today uh, when we get into this. And six people's enough for me. That means that it struck a chord. Yeah, I mean, there's 200,000 of you that didn't, but I figure if six people spoke up and put themselves out there, uh, it's time to do more on this because I think this is probably the number one thing that holds people back from getting shit done in America today. I see it in people all the time. You know, I, I give people stuff to, at times just to, to say, to prove, I don't even expect them to do anything with it. You know, um, here's an example. I have a daughter-in-law who said that she, 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 she spent so much time watching videos of girls doing hair and makeup on freaking YouTube. I mean, she watches these videos constantly. I'm like, you know those people make money off you. She goes, yeah. I said, well, I don't have any problem with making money, but, I mean, if you're that into this, because, I mean, like, whenever she's bored, uh, comes the phone and that's what she's watching. I'm like, you know how to do all this stuff. Well, yeah, I like to learn new stuff. Why don't you start a YouTube channel and make, well, I don't know how to do it. I'm like, you can use your phone, same phone you're watching. She's like, well, uh, what else do I need? I'm like, the YouTube app that's already on your phone. You need a tripod and a mount for your phone so that this camera stays still, and you need to do it. And they just upload them. Oh, well, maybe I could get a tripod and mount. So I gave her a tripod and mount. I gave her her toolbox. She's not ever going to do it. That's okay. She was worth it. It was 20 bucks. No big deal. But that's what I'm talking about today. Toolbox fallacies. If I only had, then I would. And what you really are saying is, I don't really ever plan to do this thing, but I like the idea of it. So I'm going to make some bullshit up about why I'll be doing it someday. And someday tends to become never. That's what we're going to talk about today. Before we dig into it, um, I want to give you my quote of the day, which, as you might imagine, is on the subject of procrastination. Christopher Parker once said, 
Procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. And I mean, this is so true in life. I want you to think back to like you're in high school. Some of you never did this, so you figure out your own thing you have done to make you like understand and feel this. And you got a report you were supposed to do. And that report was like, it was giving you like 60 days in advance. You're supposed to have an outline done by this point, blah, 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 blah. And you just, you got other shit going on in your life and you just don't do it. And all throughout that period, there's a little twinge in the back of your neck. I know I should be doing this. I know I should be doing this, but you don't do it. About two weeks out, you're like, well, I better do this. And then it dawns on you the reason you were given 60 days to do the damn thing in the first place. It's a lot of work. And still you don't do it. And you end up cramming it into two or three days. And it sucks. And you realize, like, man, it's the fact that I could do this in two or three days would actually would have been great. It's that I'd done it in two or three days as soon as the, they, they gave me the assignment. Just had it done and knocked out. That would have been better than this. This totally sucked. Because I was stressed the entire time and I had to cram it into two or three days. That's how procrastination works. And... The, the danger in life is unlike the book report or the core, uh, what do they call it, a midterm, you know, or whatever. There's no deadline that actually makes you do it. There's a deadline where it's just not going to happen. But no one says, hey, Bill, you know how you said you were going to do this thing? You better get it done. What happens is eventually it just gets replaced with a new idea that you're going to do someday. And the real deadline, the deadline is when your dash is gone or when the better part of your dash is gone and you're old and you can barely walk and all these things you wanted to do, you didn't get done, and now you're paying the bill. And it sucks. And sometimes you can pay the bill and sometimes you've waited too long and it's a bill that will never be paid and the opportunities were lost to eternity. That's the truth, and that's why I'm going to do this episode today. What I want to start out with, I promised you to do something last time I talked about this, and I screwed it up. I didn't screw it up today, and I'm going to double not screw it up today. I said I was going to link to the video. The video is by a YouTube channel called Passion of the Nerd. Love this channel. You should subscribe to it. Uh, just to thank him for this video alone, you should be a subscriber. Give him a couple weeks, and if he loses, you unsubscribe. Um, but the, the video itself, again, is called The Toolbox Fallacy. And what I'd like to do right now is I'd like to actually play this video, the audio from this video for you. It'll lose very little without the video. Uh, I'll cut out the long ending and long beginning but um, of music so that you hear just the, the audio, but here we go. I have lost count of the number of times I've come to understand something about myself through a piece of entertainment. Collateral is a surprisingly thoughtful and intimate action movie about a hitman, played by Tom Cruise, being driven from job to job in a single evening by a captive cab driver, played by Jamie Foxx. Before they meet, we see that Foxx is clearly in the stream of life. His preparation for the day is methodical, familiar, and perpetual. When the job gets difficult, he folds down his visor to look at a postcard of an island paradise. Between rides, he fawns over a catalog and dreams of starting his own limo business. Limos, he tells everyone, are what he's really up to. The cab thing is just until he gets the money together. How long have you been driving? Twelve years. As the movie reaches its climax and the two men strike at each other's character, Tom Cruise hits Fox with a hard truth. Paper towels, clean cab, the company someday. How much you got saved? 
Someday, someday my dream will come. It didn't happen. It never will, because you were never going to do it anyway. All it ever took was a down payment on a Lincoln Town car. That girl, you can't even call that girl. What the fuck are you still doing driving a cab? After college, when people asked me what I did, I would tell them, I'm a video creator, a storyteller, but right now I'm working this job. Until she graduates, until we get the money together to move to California, until I can buy a camera, until I can get a good editing suite, until I live in a place with collaborators. I remember the moment when this illusion I'd been using to fend off reality finally collapsed. I was working in telephone tech support, the most soul-sucking job I've ever had. I'd just been called a worthless idiot because I couldn't get a disembodied voice into his meeting. I put my head down, and it occurred to me I hadn't made a video in six years. And the only story I'd told in all that time was this lie I'd kept repeating to myself. And I thought, maybe... This is all I really am, the person I became while I was waiting to start my life. A creation is a marker dropped in the stream of time, and the longer we go without dropping the next, the less meaningful that marker becomes. As the unyielding grip of each passing day dragged me farther from the things I'd made in college, am eventually became was. A writer writes, a painter paints. And at that moment, with my head down, I understood for the first time that I was no longer a video creator. I had put off making anything new for long enough, using the same fallacy over and over and over again. I can't do X until I have Y. Once I have the gym membership, tablet, camera, laptop, time, then I'll be able to work out, paint more, work on photography, write, be happy. That is the toolbox fallacy. And it has been one of the most persistent, tick-like, ever-present lies to myself I've ever distinguished, infesting a wide variety of aspirations, health, love, creativity. And the toolbox fallacy often hides in plain sight, because as with any good self-deception, it only works because there are certain circumstances when it's actually true. It wouldn't be so damn sticky if it were never valid. And here are some helpful examples. I can't fly without a plane, that's true. I can't cook without a heat source, that's also true. I can't drive without a license, that's not true, but it is good advice. Worse, often I found once I had the tool I was coveting, things still didn't change. The new camera languished on the shelf. The computer became an instrument for gaming only. The Fitbit became a measure of all the steps I wasn't taking during the day. The hard truth is that the lack of these things wasn't actually what was wrong. Having a hammer is not what makes you a carpenter. Using a hammer is what does, and a writer writes be it with laptop, pen, crayon, or haiku carved in the sand with a branch. My dad played the piano his whole life. When the family would take vacations and there wasn't an instrument in sight, I would sometimes catch him pounding a concerto out onto the tabletop, the notes echoing in his mind. See, the fallacy's reason for being is to distract from the real problem, which is in all cases some manifestation of failure fear. When you realize you haven't been to the gym in a month and just ordered takeout for the third day in a row, when your characters have jumped the shark and you don't know how to write them back to where they should be. When you can't stand the video you just made, feel like an utter and complete fraud and don't want to publish. When they leave. When they stop texting you back. As kids, we were fearless. We drew horses in our notebooks that looked to adults like fornicating haunted trees all bent over and stuck together. We told stories that lacked an adequate climax, barely met the requirements to be classified as English, and our protagonist's motivation was completely hazy, but who cares? Because do you realize that story had a giant laser in it? That thing was huge! We didn't care. 
expression was bursting from our hearts and fingertips. And then somewhere on the road to adulthood, we were taught to demonize our mistakes. Maybe we never really change. The real value of an education is self-awareness. The ability to see our already always automatic ways of living our lives. Being the grump in traffic. The why me at the DMV. And for me, the toolbox fallacy. Self-awareness doesn't make those corrupted perspectives of ours go away. But it does give you the freedom to choose another way of being. And with every step in a different direction, you feel the gravity of those automatic ways of being less and less. This is the first video I made, seven years after college. I recorded it using my computer's built-in microphone and edited it using software that came pre-installed. Most of the clips are not mine, but the composition is. A writer writes. This is still one of the videos I am most proud of. I am a high-functioning neurotic. Much of my life has been dedicated to learning how to manage my own fear of failing, and I have only ever found two things that work for me. The first is to expect failure's inevitable visitation from time to time, as opposed to fearing it. The second is to remind myself as necessary that a lifetime spent failing would still be a life better lived than the one in which I never got started. Okay, so I kind of feel like over the years, and I'm not actually a big fan of Tom Cruise, so I don't like comparing myself to him, uh, but I feel like I am the Tom Cruise character in that movie that he mentioned for many of you. Guy's on and on and on about how one day he's going to have a limo company. That's what he's really working for. And what Cruz says is, dude, a down payment on a town car was all you needed. You're never going to do it, and you never intended to do it, and you're full of shit. You won't even call that girl you have a picture of. And the thing about that is people think of that person as being a dream stealer. I don't actually consider doing that being a dream stealer. To take your dream from you, you actually have to have made your dream real, and I have to do something to actually prevent it. I actually think telling people the truth about that in many ways makes you a dream enabler. A dream is nothing until it's acted upon. It's just a thought. And people sometimes, when they push you that way, they make you get off the pot or take your dump, one or the other, just to be blunt about it. And there's so many people in this world, that's, you're full of shit. You're never going to do the things you talk about. There's a song, and I can't remember who does it. I think it's like a second-tier artist or something. But I think it's called Next Year. And God, it makes me think of this. And the song is, you know, this dad and his kid. And the kid can't wait till next year. Next year, dad. Next year's going to be great, dad. Next year's going to be great, dad. And the, the, the dad in the song finally asks this kid, if anybody knows this song, please give me a link to it or something. Because I lost it. One of you guys sent it to me. I lost it. But but the kid says, because next year we're going to do all these things. And the dad realizes, like, I've been saying next year about all this stuff for multiple years. My kid's getting older. Next year's going to be this year. We're going to do it now. At least we're going to do some of this now. That's what I'm trying to light under you today. Now, basically what I said is I don't want you guys to be pussies. Step up and make something happen. Six of you. And I did not check my TSPC folder, so maybe there's more. If you don't hear your name, I'll check today, because this is going to be an ongoing theme. I'm going to call you guys out by name once in a while. Don't worry, no last names. But I'm going to tell you who stepped up and said they're going to do something. My rock star in this is a guy named Sean. Not from the expert counsel, Sean. A handyman business. 
Except the thing is, he got enough kicks in the ass from Jack that he already started this business and it's already going. But he said it was the toolbox fallacy that made him wait so long to do it. But some point along the way here, he just got enough of a two-by-four beating in the face for me that he's like, i I got to go do it. So he sent me, uh, yeah, this is a toolbox fallacy, but it's also a Jack or Jerk email because you already did this. Keep going, Sean. Make it bigger. This is what I want you to do, Sean. In your quest with this business to make it something more, never let the fact you don't have something prevent you from making it bigger. If you need a tool to do a job, Say you can do the job and bid the cost or part of the cost of the tool into the job and then come away from that job with that tool and be able to take more jobs like that. If you don't know how to do something, subcontract it. Screw it. Make shit happen, Sean. Good for you. Bailey, got a whole list of shit. Bailey, my only caution for you, pick one and do it tomorrow if it wasn't already done yesterday. Because when you have a lot, a lot of times I don't know which one to start. Pick one. Throw a dart. Flip a coin. But go. But he said he's going to get on a better diet, go back to school, give up tobacco, a few other things. Good for you, Bailey. And you know what? Giving up tobacco, you don't need a vape a vape machine, right? One of the, the vape things. Just it, It's chewing tobacco with him anyway. Throw it, throw it away. Be a damn grown-up. Go through a couple weeks and suck. I know a guy that had to have his jaw removed from, from, from cancer. Just throw your tobacco away, Bailey. Do it today. Don't be a pussy. You stepped up. Now step out. All right? Evelyn, she says she's going to start a podcast. Evelyn, I saw that you posted that you were going to start a podcast on Facebook. Ask people about it. Don't ask people about it. Record one. Go do it. Publish it. Learn how. It's not hard. Make it happen. Andy says he's going to start a blog. Your blog should have been started between the time you emailed me last week and today. You should already be doing it, Andy. If you're not doing it, get it done this weekend. By Monday, Andy, if you don't send me an email, if you don't send me an email by Monday with a link to your blog and your first shitty post, I'm going to call you a pussy on the air, Andy. Get your blog started. Michael. Michael says he's going to be a better husband. You get your ass on that right now, boy. He also says he's going to start a side hustle, get projects done, and more. Good for you, Michael. Get it done. Tell you what, Michael, this is what I want you to do if you're hearing me today. On your way home from work, go by the freaking grocery store, pick up a $10 bouquet of flowers. Maybe if, you, if, you, if, you, if your wife usually cooks dinner, unless it's already cooked, pick up a couple nice steaks. Go home and cook for your wife and give her those flowers. You can email me Monday and thank me for it, or I can call you a pussy because you didn't get something done. If you don't do what I said, do something. Do something out of the ordinary for your wife this weekend. Make it happen. Don't be a pussy. Step up. You stepped up. Now step out. John said he's going to develop the ability to code software. Worked on this before. Got all wrapped up in coding camps and shit like that and realized I just need to figure out how to do what I do need to get done. John, I want you to code something in the next two weeks that does something. I don't give a shit what it is and send me it. Show me it working. I don't care if it's useful. Code something that requires some new skill that you don't have and get it done in the next two weeks, or I'm going to call you out and call you a pussy on the air. Now, who else wants to step up? Who else wants to step up? Remember it was the movie with uh, the, the, the Jamie Kennedy? Malibu's Most Wanted? Oh, y'all now up a, a, a can of tough love now, right? That's it. This is tough love. This is a real deal. That's what this is about today. This isn't about, oh, one day I'm going to be, oh, good boy. That's great. Believe in your dreams. Do your dreams. What are you going to do? The rest of you, 
The other damn near quarter million of you, what are you going to do in your life? That you've wanted to do your whole life. That you've been too much of a pussy to do and you've made excuses about. And some of you are like, Jack, go screw, man. I'm not a pussy. I've been doing, I've been kicking ass and taking names my whole life and I ain't stopping. Good for you. Then you better go, you know what? You are a rare person indeed. I admire and respect the shit out of you. And I know some of you personally that I know you don't qualify as needing the kick in the ass. Whose ass are you kicking? Whose ass are you kicking? Who are you pushing? Who are you mentoring? Because if you're that person, if you just have that gift or you've broken through the, res the, the, the ceiling, if you've broken through the walls that we're about to talk about, if you've done that, you kind of owe it to give it back, to help other people with it. Because sometimes all it takes is somebody saying, hey, get off your ass and go do it. And sometimes it takes, all it takes is somebody saying, I believe you can. So if you're not holding yourself back, give somebody else a hand up. When they step up, kick them in the ass and make them step out. The keys to making this happen, instead of it being a New Year's resolution, because that's what this starts to sound like if you don't do something, right? Everybody, here's what happens, New Year's, say, I want to get in shape. They go down to Planet Fitness or whatever. You know, they have sales, which means they jack up all the prices because they know everybody's going to show up. And you join a gym, a toolbox, right? You buy a toolbox, and now you're going to work out. So then you go in, and like all the other fat guys are standing in line waiting to get on a treadmill. Nobody wants to get on a Stairmaster because it's harder. And eventually, by the end of January, all the equipment's available all the time because all of the fat guys that never really meant it went home. But you know what? At least they did something. They got started. For every one guy that buys a gym membership in January and never sees the gym in February, there's a hundred that were going to do it that didn't even do it. So the thing I left out at the end of that video I played for you, the last thing in the last screen, you can't hear it because they didn't say it. It's just music and it's just up there. Hashtag get started. It was either start, get started or start now. It doesn't matter. Same thing. Start. Do something. And that's the thing. Do something, anything, as soon as possible. Like, unless you're going to get hurt or killed by doing it, do something now. You're at the end of the thing, jump. Make something happen. That doesn't mean if you, like, want out of your job, go quit your job. But start looking for another job. Get your resume together. Start developing the side hustle you're going to transition to. Go out and do something. It doesn't mean do the whole thing. Do something. And as soon as you do something, you're going to get something that's the most important thing you'll ever get in life when it comes to getting shit done in your life. It's called feedback. This is why action is so important. You can dream and think and pretend that you're going to do shit for years and you get zero feedback, except by well-meaning ass clowns that you talk to and tell about your dreams. They tell you what you should do or why what you want to do won't work when they've never done it themselves and they don't know jack shit about anything. And they're the last people you should be taking advice from but you are happy to engage with intellectual masturbation with them. And that's the only feedback you get is intellectual masturbation. But when you actually go out and do something, you get feedback. I want to be a handyman. I made up some business cards. I went out and handed them out. Nobody called me. Well, shit, that doesn't work. Maybe I need to take another tack to finding my first job. Maybe I need to drive around and look. Maybe you drive around and you look and you see a place with a big junk pile. 
You go up to the door with your handyman card, and they say, well, we don't really need anything done right now. And I notice you got that big pile of junk. You know, I do anything. I could get, I could take care of that for you. And you could either haul it away with a trailer if you have, if you don't have a trailer, find out what a dumpster costs. And say, this is how much it costs. Your dumpster plus 20% plus your labor. Throw all the junk in the dumpster for them and let the dumpster guy take it away. Right? Will that work? I don't know. But you'll get feedback. So do something, get feedback, and do something more. That's the whole process. And then don't stop. Do something, get feedback, get a result or not a result, do something else, don't stop. Do you think it's too simple? How do you think this podcast got to be a podcast? I got a shitty recorder. The quality sucked. I got a better recorder. The quality got better. I got better at my delivery. I made mistakes. I took feedback from the audience. 18 months from $20 worth of gear, $500 for logo design and, and website design, and, and $200 a year hosting to $100,000 income. It sounds like, well, Jack's a genius. No, Jack did something anything as soon as was reasonable didn't quit his job even though that was the goal screw it i'm gonna podcast in my car you know why this is why i said to some of you that, that don't hold yourself back somebody else did it a guy named chris future was doing a podcast in his car he said well if he can do that i can do that shit too right so i started then i did something more and i didn't stop and here we are 11 years later and i have a major lifestyle business empire That's how it started. That's how it happened. Because I did something. And guess what? Not everything I did was a home run. There's a whole bunch of stuff I started over the years, and a lot of it failed. But in starting and starting and starting, eventually you find what will work for you. And what we have to understand about this, to really take it to another level, is from my law of life number 11. Spirigo's law of life number 11 has to do with walls. And this is like, out of all my laws of life, and there's at least 30 as I've worked on my book, which, by the way, is probably going to be 16 laws of life, the first book, because it's almost done if I stop there. But this is the only one out of all of them that's kind of metaphysical, that's kind of spiritual. I guess all of them could be spiritual if you look at them the right way, but because spirituality is universal. But this one really sounds... Like something you might hear a monk say or something like that. But it's concrete true. And here's what it is. There's a reason you can't walk through walls in your dreams. They are your walls. You put them there. Think about that. That is one of the most profound things that I've ever come up with, honestly. And it's something you can easily try to brush past and say you're just trying to sound smart. No, it's the truth. And I'll tell you where I got this. You guys know me. I'm the kind of guy, like, if something's interesting, I'm going to learn everything I can about it, and fast. So long ago, long long before Survival Podcast was even an idea, um, there was a book that I read that talked about lucid dreaming. And I'm like, lucid dreaming? That sounds pretty cool. And I realized I had had a couple, like, by accident lucid dreams. A lucid dream is simply a dream where you know you're dreaming. You know it's a dream. You don't think it's a dream. You're like, I don't know it's a dream. And then... You begin to wake up in your dream, and your hardest thing about lucid dreaming, actually, is to stay asleep. Because the more you become conscious that it's a dream, the closer you get to a woke state where you wake up. Right? 
So there's only a limited window in lucid dreams where you can really enjoy your dream. And you can do cool shit like you can fly. Like if you're not sure if you're dreaming, try to fly. If you fly, trust me, you're dreaming. Okay? So you try to fly. You're like, well, I can fly. And then like you realize that you're having a conversation with a character in your dream. And then you realize, well, wait a minute, I'm talking to me. The only person that character can be, let's say I have a brother and I dream I'm speaking with my brother. That's not my brother. My brother's sleeping in his bed 25 states away, right? I'm talking to myself in the form of my brother based on what I think my brother would say or do, but I'm really having a discussion with myself. And that's kind of cool, right? It's like the holodeck on Star Trek. Well, then you start thinking, now, wait a minute. I'm dreaming I'm in a house. Look at that wall. You know what would be really freaking kick-ass cool? I've always wanted to walk through walls. I'm going to walk through that wall. You go to walk through the wall, and you can't. What the hell? I just flew. I had a conversation with myself. I changed the color of the rug. Right? These are all real things. Went outside through the door and flew in the sky. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I went through the door. Why did I have to go through the door in my dream? Because there was a wall. How did the wall get there? I manifested the wall. My mind says there's a wall there. My mind also knows that's not a real wall. But as long as I see it as a wall, I can't get through the wall. So then in a lucid dream, you're like, well, how many ways can I get through this wall? Okay. The the first one is, well, I had a dream where I walked through a door. What if I just see a door in the wall? So you look at the wall and you see a door. There's a door. You open the door and walk through it. And then whatever you created for yourself on the other side of that door is there. That's one way to get through. Number two, you can climb over the wall. Let's say there's no roof. This is a wall like an outdoor wall. Well, in your dream, since you can fly, you can fly over the wall. You can climb over the wall. You can dig a tunnel under the wall. One way or another, you can circumvent the wall. I've been able to do this in my dreams. The third way is... You can blow a hole through the wall. Think of it as an explosive solution, right? It's literally like putting a C4 package on the wall. But you don't have to dream of C4. It's a freaking wall in your head, in your dream. You created it. So you just see a hole in it. But metaphorically, you've blown a hole in the wall. And what you see on the other side of that hole is whatever you created yourself, right? Again, every time you go through that wall in your dreams any way possible... You've created the reality on the other side. Hold on to that. It's really important. The last one, and the most important one, is remove the wall. I'm dreaming. There's a wall. I'd like to be on the other side of it. The wall is gone. Like Q from Star Trek. There is no wall. There never was a wall. Remember the kid in the Matrix? When Neo sees him bend the spoon? And the kid says, The trick is not to try to bend the spoon. Because that would be impossible. The trick is only to see that there is no spoon. That's how we bend the spoon. That's removing the wall in your dream. Just remove the wall. Then the kind of the last way, which is really removing the wall, is walking through the wall. To see the wall is not a wall anymore. It's the same as to remove it. But to actually see it and go through it in your dream, you'll find if you do this experiment, if you teach yourself lucid dreaming, it is the most difficult of all the ways. Now, how does this translate to the real world? Because in the real world, you see a wall, I'm going to pretend there's no wall, and you run headlong into it, right? 
And the, the, the song from Orange Zeven comes to mind. It ain't that pretty, uh, pretty at all. I'm going to good run and start, hurl myself at the wall as hard as I can. I'm about to play that song one day. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, right? Smack! Doesn't work. Well, it's a metaphor. So, installing a door in life when there's a wall preventing you from getting somewhere, that's getting the toolbox. Some things you want in life, if you really want them, you do need the toolbox. So, here would be for, an in, for instance. If you want to be a medical doctor, you have to go to medical school. You have to complete an internship and a residency. And you have to get certified. You do need the toolbox to be a medical doctor. Now, there's a whole lot of other shit that are walls to prevent you from going to medical school. I don't have enough money, whatever it is. Can't get in. Need a bachelor's degree first. So there are times where you there is things you need. But the question is, how much can you do with what you have before you worry about what you don't have? But that's getting a toolbox. And it's the slowest way to accomplish your goals. So you should only use it when you have to. Then there's tunneling over, climbing, tunneling under, climbing over the wall. That's stealing a toolbox. Now, you're not really stealing a toolbox, but what I mean by it is society sees it as cheating. For instance, I wanted to be in corporate sales and make a lot of money. And I wanted to work for a company where I got an expense account and all kinds of fancy shit. Well, almost all the jobs that existed that were like that required a master's degree. So I would have had to have minimum a bachelor's. And then probably had to have at least been on my path to my master's to get to a job the level that I wanted. So what I did was I said, screw that. I don't have time for that shit. Ain't nobody got time for that. I said that long before that lady, that crazy lady said it. And I went out and found a company that had a job just like the one I wanted, but it didn't pay as good or have all the fringe benefits. But because of that, they had to take what they could get. And I took my expertise in project management and cable design, and I used it to sell myself into a job of selling. And I had a guy, the guy that actually hired me said something to the effect of, you've sold me really well on yourself that you can do this job, but since you've never done it before, why should I hire you? I said, well, if I sold myself to you, I could sell your company to your customers. So I got that job. Then I did that job really good. Really good. At an age where most people would still have been in college. I killed myself. And I learned everything I could in that job. Then I found another company. Their ad said, bachelor's degree preferred. Okay. Fine. That means you would like one. But since it's preferred, that means that you don't have enough candidates to get one. But it becomes a job that required a bachelor's degree on my CV. So I went for that job. And I got that job. And I kicked ass in that job. And I built a reputation for myself. So when the job came that I really wanted, it wasn't even an issue that I didn't have a degree. It actually became an, a competitive advantage. One of the, I had to go through five interviews with five different people to get that job. And one of them was the only one that brought it up. And he said, I think this actually gives you an advantage. Because number one, you're clearly motivated because you came from the bottom up. Number two, you know what you're worth, but you don't think you're worth more than you are. If you had a master's degree like we say we want for this job, 
you probably wouldn't be good at it without, without having already done it. And they gave me that job. Now let me tell you something. There are people in my family that are very straight-laced, follow-the-rules types. The family I married into, I should really be clear about, my wife's family. And I know there's some animosity and some jealousy there. Because they see what I did. I climbed over the wall, I tunneled over. They see that as I stole the toolbox. In other words, I cheated. I did better than most people by doing less than most people. I don't consider that cheating. I say it is because that's what society looks at it as. I consider that smart. That's tunneling over, climbing over the wall. Blow a hole in the wall. That's screw the toolbox. I'll get to the toolbox when I get to the, the destination. When I need the tool, it will be there. I'll manifest it. I'll buy it. I'll mortgage. I don't care. Now, let me tell you how you get to where you can blow holes in walls. Blowing holes in walls is an advanced version of tunneling over or climbing, tunneling under or climbing over. It's just where you get so good at it. You get so good at going through walls that are supposed to slow you down. Or you've built up so much of a credential in a space or something like that, that the wall, you just, it's there. Maybe somebody points it out once in a while, but you just go through it like a wrecking ball. Like, you, like I know there's a wall there, but, and the last, becoming the kid that bends the spoon in front of Neo in the Matrix, remove the wall. What toolbox? The toolbox then becomes only, you know what, yeah, to, to, to turn this screw, I need a Phillips screwdriver. Well, I can come up with a Phillips. What? Somebody go buy me one. Here's my credit card. Go take care of it while I do these other things. Removing the wall is the point where you actually realize that 99% of the things that are barriers to what you want are all in your head. It doesn't mean that... What you're going to do is going to be easy. Because this is the part I left out until now about the dreaming thing. So, you know what I said about putting a door in the wall in your dreams, climbing over it, going through it, or removing it? One of the things I learned in my dream experiments was part of the reason sometimes you can't remove that wall is you haven't developed an idea of what's behind it yet. So I'm dream. See, like if I'm looking out my window right now, outside of my window of my office, I can see my outdoor kitchen. I can see some junk on my countertop that needs to be cleaned up soon because the workshop's coming. I can see my grill. I can see a, a jar of orange uh, peel uh, that really needs to be put away. I'm not sure why it's there. I can see a gas tank that runs my little side burner. I can see the overhang. I can see the edge of a bush. Like that stuff's there. So. That wall, being a real wall in the real world, has something behind it, whether I manifest it or not. Right? In my dream, what's behind that wall? Even if I dream of this very wall, but I dream that there's a curtain in front of that window so I can't see through it. What's behind that wall? Is that grill behind that wall? How many times have you dreamed of something, but things weren't right in your dream? Like you knew it was a dream because you were in your garage, but there was a Lamborghini in there. Well, I can't be right. Or you dreamt you were walking through your house, but it had a hundred rooms. Well, that can't be right. So what's on the other side of that wall? Even if I dream of a known wall, 
isn't necessarily what is there in the real world. I have to create it for myself. I have to create that reality. Do you see where this is going yet? So I can't make that wall go away until I come up with a vision of what is on the other side of that effing wall. I can't do it because there's nothing there. The only thing I've created is a wall. So I see the wall, and even if I remove the wall in my dream, it'll be like those Russian dolls. There's another wall. I have to create the other side. I have to dream it. I have to say, on the other side of that wall is a Lamborghini. Right? On the other side of that wall is a fish tank, is a, is the Pittsburgh Steelers Stadium for the Super Bowl. Whatever it is. It could be anything I want it to be, but I have to create it. These walls in your life. Whether you're gonna buy the toolbox because it's something like being a doctor, where you have to. Whether you're gonna climb over or tunnel under it and cheat as far as society is concerned, which is really just being smart. Blow a hole through it. Or see that the wall was never there in the first place. You have to have a vision for what the other side looks like. If you want a handyman business, you have to believe in what that business can be. You have to see it. Because then you'll work for it. You have to want it. If you want to be a better husband, you have to have a vision of what being a better husband looks like and what reciprocation from your wife looks like when you do that. And the more you're able to visualize the other side, the more transparent the wall becomes. And soon the wall doesn't come crumbling down like a John Mellencamp song. It just vanishes. And you realize there are no walls. And your biggest problem doesn't become getting what you want. It's deciding what you want the most because your only real limitation is your time and your resources. And therefore, you have to pick and choose what you apply 100% of your effort to carefully. And let me tell you something. Don't use that as an excuse to make another excuse. I'm not really sure this one. Then, then I think they're both great. Flip a coin. I've had people go, I got two ideas, Jack. And I think both of them can crush it. But which one are you passionate about? Both of them. Flip a coin. Don't you want me to tell you what they are? No, I don't. I don't care. I want you to pick one. I want you to pretend that you woke up and somebody had your penis in a pair of pliers and said, if you don't pick one this second, I'm going to squeeze harder. Or you could pick one and I'll let go. You'd pick one like that, right? You're like, oh, shit, do it. Yeah, I'm going to do A. Okay, great. Then go do A. But when you really become a master of this, the danger will be, I want to do this, 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 and this, and I know I can do it all. You still got to pick one. Pick one, make it happen. Then do another one, make it happen. Some things can be done concurrently, but most big things, no. So that's what I want out of all you guys that have stepped up already. Start the blog, Andy. Be a better husband, Michael. Get those flowers. Just do it. She doesn't really like flowers. Dude, trust me. She'll like flowers. If you got the money, send them to her work if she works, especially if she works with other women. You do that. Proflowers.com, buddy. You can call me and tell me. You can email me and tell me how great it worked out for you. Women love to get flowers in front of other women. Just saying. But at nothing else, just a bundle of flowers from the grocery store on the way home and just take them home for no reason. I stopped in for a few things. I saw these. They made me think of you. Right? Evelyn, start your podcast. Don't ask anybody what their opinion is about it. 
I'm going to tell you my opinion of your podcast. Episode one will suck. How do I know? Mine did. Mine did, and I was a professional speaker. I spoke for a living for 20 years before I did a podcast. My first one sucked. Yours will too. Who cares? Do it. Sean, just keep building your business, dude. You started. I can only step on you so hard. Right? Bailey, throw away the tobacco. That's the one you can do now. Don't say, but you know, I want to get these other things in place so I can deal with the stress. Throw the freaking tobacco away before you rot your jaw off. Right? John, code. And the rest of you, what is it? Make it happen. If you have to buy a toolbox, then you better come up with the first step toward having the money to buy the toolbox now. Do something now if you actually have to. Do what you can with what you have until you get what you need. Otherwise, do something. Get started. Make it happen. I'm going to drive Uber someday. Find out what it takes. What kind of insurance do you need? How do you, what do you do your car? How do you get certified? It ain't hard. I know some people doing it. They're on the edge of people that I would trust with my life in a vehicle. You can do it if that's what you want to do. Whatever it is, go do it. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? What is your metaphorical toolbox? My important question to you, though, my bigger one, what will you do about it? Will you let this you know, kind of oddball Thursday show finally kick you in the balls hard enough to make you do it? I hope so. If you're going to, you want to hear me call you out, bitch you out on air, and give you some encouragement and my thoughts on what you want to do, email me, jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com, TSPC toolbox in the subject line, and be brief. I'm not picking on some of you that sent this already because I didn't say so. Tell me in a sentence or two. Because if you have to use more than a sentence to explain it, you're not clear on it. I want to A, B, C, D. To do that, I'm going to X, Y, Z, P, D, Q. That's it. And then maybe you'll hear yourself called out on a segment, the toolbox fallacy. And maybe I'll give you just that last kick in the ass that you need so that you can go out and kick ass take names, and change your life. And if you're already doing it, remember what I said. Find an ass that needs kicking and put your foot square into it. Sometimes you got to do that a little bit nicer than I do, and sometimes, guys, trust me, I do. But there are people in your life that are right on the edge, and they need one little push. Step up and be their red foreman. Tell them you're going to put your foot in their ass and see what happens. They might just blow you away with what they're really capable of because they know that one person actually believes in them. Trust me, guys. I believe in you. I believe in this community. I believe in all of you. There's no way I would do this shit for 11 years if I didn't. Trust me. I have a good life, but if I just wanted money, there's other things I could be doing that would actually be easier and make me more. I do this because I believe in all of you. Don't let me down. Get rid of your toolbox fallacy. Climb the wall. Blow a hole in the wall. Remove the wall. If you must, buy a toolbox. But if you must, then take step today, number one, toward affording the toolbox. Take the shortest route that you can to your destination. Fight 100% for it. Because you deserve it. You just haven't done the work yet. With that, we've wrapped up another episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please consider supporting the show by joining the Member Support Brigade. I submit to you that this episode is worth $50 for the next year. 
If you take 1% of the advice in this episode and apply it to your life, it will enrich you by way more than 50 bucks. Plus, you'll get discounts on shit you're going to buy anyway, maybe even a toolbox, and you'll help support this show. To join, just go to survivalpodcast.com and click on Members and get started. Uh, next up, remember, you can always support us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. My item of the day for you today is the Streamlight Stylus Pro USB rechargeable light. Uh, this is the same light that I've recommended for years, except it has a USB port on it. You can plug it in, and it charges. as a rechargeable battery pack in it. But there are basically two AAA batteries. And that's what's nice about this. If that battery, when it eventually dies, all batteries have a life cycle, you can get a new pack. You can put just two rechargeable AAAs in it, and it'll charge. Or you can put regular AAAs in it, and while it won't charge, it'll work until you get more rechargeable ones. Uh, I break down the financial advantages and disadvantages of a rechargeable light versus a regular one and the cost difference in the write-up today, so you can look that up. Remember, if you want to get my write-ups, announcement of new episodes, videos I put out, all that stuff, join the Daily Mail. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on subscribe, and there you can go ahead and join and get our daily email, which will never, will never spam you. One email a day, five days a week, few bullet points and a few links. Real, real simple. All right, with that, let's uh, talk about our song of the day today. Song of the day today really works out for this episode better than I realized when I first uh, looked it up on John's playlist today. It's called Valkyrie by Asia. And, of course, we're in Mythology Week. And the Valkyries were... The belief in, in, in uh, Viking tradition that after a battle, the dead laid on the battlefield. And the Valkyries came and picked up the souls of the dead and took them to Valhalla, the Viking heaven. This song is actually about the real world and using this ethos, this, this mythology, this symbology to paint a picture. The song was written... Uh, by a couple of the band members of Asia for friends in the real world that actually have died and passed away. And it's their way of saying they hope that now someone, something, some continuum of a better place is where they are. Now, that should put you in touch with your mortality. And here's the thing about that. There's those of you that say, I know when I die, I'm going to go to heaven or whatever. Okay, we don't know. That's what makes faith, faith. We don't know. If you knew that your version of God existed, then you wouldn't need faith. The whole point, as religion explains it, of not knowing is so that you can believe. But no matter what we believe, we don't know. What we do know is what we get to do while we're here. And we do know that even though we may, be, we may be tiny in cosmic terms, that every action we take affects others around us, for good or for bad. So, whatever's holding you back, do it while you know what you can do. As for what awaits us, I don't pretend to know. But I know whenever that time comes, whether I cross over into something amazing, another level, rejoin the universal energy, or cease to exist as a conscious being, no matter what it is, I will know that I gave my last breath, not making excuses, but instead making a difference. I invite you to join me for that. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. 
helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Like in this